The first thing you should know about my friend Andrew is that he loves subcultures. Groups of people with interests or beliefs at variance with those of society at large? Andrew is fascinated. He even spent some time back in the day coming out to crappy open mics with me, soaking up the subculture of joke-telling on the mean streets and dive bars of Denver. The next thing you should know about Andrew is that his love of subcultures is mostly from an intellectual, distant, marveling at the animals in the zoo, not in my backyard point of view. It's schadenfreude, really, and I'm not sure I appreciate it. Welcome to Half My Age, a weekly show in which a 25-year-old adult and a 50-year-old child help each other make sense of the world. Oh, goodness. It seems like you're picking a bone. I was, I was nodding along the whole way. I'm like, yeah, I totally do like subcultures. And yes, I really do like them intellectually. And you're like... Oh, and he's actually a bad person. From a distance. I don't think it's that you're a bad person at all. In fact, I had this written out much longer, including the other subcultures you have dabbled in. College fraternity, competitive shooting, youth dance photography, and now I suppose parenting. Very big subculture. But, you know, I thought about it. You really, in many ways, you either leave the getting your feet dirty, hands dirty, feet wet part of it. Or, you know what I mean? It's from a distance. And... It's actually not a bad thing. It's just mm-hmm. kind of funny. It's just kind of funny. That, that is very much who I am, which is I appreciate and I, I am extremely interested in all things academically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not I'm not super interested in, in joining. In fact, I'm, I'm not a joiner. Uh, I'm, I'm not interested in, in putting in the hours and, and doing that thing that everyone is so committed to. Mm-mm. I'm mostly interested in why people get so excited about it. Yeah. And, and, and mm-hmm. what, what what they're getting out of it, I suppose. See, so it's kind of, like I said, it's from this voyeuristic lens, really. And I really, was as I was writing this, it sounded angrier than it really is. I don't give a fuck. But... Um, <laughs> that I was sort of like an Andrew sits in his, you know, metaphorically gated life with his feet up and his comfortable everything and his agreeably gray walls and just kind of feel sorry for those of us who are compelled for whatever sickness drives it or not or not to go out and do that. You told me that you're part of <laughs> a new funny. photography subculture where you do you have a prompt every week and you submit again. It's online. You're, you're never going to meet those people. It's hilarious. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. I did. Uh, I spent the morning out with my wife and daughter taking photographs to meet the prompt. Nice. Uh, and it was a ton of fun. I, oh, I loved it. We're love having it. a great time. Love it. And I'm really just teasing you because I don't care. And there are times now when I go to do a comedy show and either it's a mic or mostly it's a show and I just arrive and I'm like, oh, okay. And there's all this, I don't know, there's times when I'm like, is this really what I thought I missed in 2020 like it's this oh god Mm -hmm. so I don't know how I feel about the subculture anyway it was just a funny little opening so please continue with yours good sir well I like those ones that prompt a response and that one that one made me uh Mm -hmm. I I felt like I had to say something (laughs) no I even Uh, thought about it like you're interested and you'll like give feedback on somebody's participation in the subculture I suppose um, but you probably just don't really want to be a part of it. 
Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent true. That's very you've seen right through me. Uh, to you, you've you've got you've got the essence of Andrew in that opening. And and, uh, and there's the part of it, like I said, that I feels feel like you feel sorry for me that I have those compulsions. But you're seen. You're right. You're seen. <laughs> so you are. It's the white hot light of fucking truth, isn't it? <laughs> there it is. The white hot light of truth title. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, we're supposed to be keeping track of things like that. Okay, go ahead, please. The first thing you should know about my friend Auntie Jo is that she is a character. We've talked about this before, between her bright pink glasses, her red Nissan Cube, which she affectionately refers to as the clown car, and her big personality, it's easy to see her coming. Or so I thought. The next thing you should know is that somehow she can still sneak up on you. I had the pleasure of witnessing this when she was seated at my dinner table regaling a listener of this very podcast with some of her usual BS... Little did I know, the listener had no idea the talkative lady at the end of the table was indeed Auntie Joe. It blows my mind to think that someone could listen to hours of this podcast and not immediately recognize her, but there you have it. Keep your eyes out, folks. You never know when she might sneak up on you. <laughs> That's funny. That was weird, wasn't it? Because she sort of was stupefied and suddenly kind of had some fangirl energy coming at me. Like, I can't believe I'm meeting she, you. It's she you. She was struck. She was struck. I think it's, it, there's, there's very much a moment of realization. And it's like, oh. Wasn't that an funny? open mouth moment of realization. And you're right. Right. We're sitting there. It's First of all, it's my voice. Who else is good? I mean, because we had been, like you said, we had been, uh, yeah, yucking it up, telling stories. She was great. What a fun friend of Delaney. Two friends. And what fun people. And I, yeah, right. But you're right. It wasn't like I was not being my <laughs> Not like you're you're hiding your lighter under a bushel basket or anything. No, every once in a while, you know, in life, somebody says to you like, "Oh, I saw somebody who looked just like you," and I'm always so fascinated by that. Or even better, I, this happened kind of in the past few months. I was in the front yard waiting for a friend in the front yard of a friend's house, and it was like a nice fall day. And somebody was walking the dog about a half a block away, and waved at me in a very friendly way. And I was like, "Oh, hi!" And then got a few steps closer and went, "Sorry, thought it was someone else." And I'm like. Someone else around here looks like me. Like what? What is that? <laughs> yeah, I want to meet your doppelganger. I want I to know. see who this person is. They're probably very quiet and mild mannered. Okay. Well, now the other thing is that Judge John Hodgman. There was an episode of this where I can't even remember the details. Listened to it a while ago, where somebody was saying, "Should I tell my professor or whomever, a kid in my class, maybe even a college kid, that he looks so much like John Hodgman? Should I tell this person he looks like you?" And the judge, John Hodgman's ruling overall was, "No, you should really never do that because what if the person then sees that and goes, that looks nothing like me?'" And that also happened to me recently. A friend, a comic friend, not a great friend, a comic subculture workplace <laughs> acquaintance. <laughs> sent me a crummy friend a shit friend a crap proximity. friend a very very bad friend no not a bad friend just not i mean a comic a workplace proximity, proximity associate. associate that's it yeah so my <laughs> sent me a picture from like of something playing on a newscast somewhere and she works in the news industry so it could be anywhere and it's like a monitor probably she's monitoring the media and she sends me a picture like lisa this woman looks exactly like you and gosh darn i can see it but also this woman looks like a 65-year-old drag queen with bad makeup on. And it's like, I can see it, 
And yet, I want to know. Okay, you know what? I didn't want to talk this episode about my face, but there you have it. Hi, Vey. I've been tr- thinking a lot about your face. I, re- I re- oh, listened to last week's episode yesterday, uh, uh, and it reminded me that this. You know, you, you talk about your face as if you've just recently become unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I remember years ago at this point talking about the 11s on your face and you, you thinking you had to get your 11s addressed. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's even though it feels very um, timely and, and in the moment, this is something that, that you've been struggling with at least since we started the podcast. Well, yeah, Andrew, because uh, it's like a slow drip of torture water as you age every single day. It's like I was saying, yeah, sometimes it is shocking to go, oh, my God, that's my face. But no, you're right. Just to look at it and go, oh, God, it gets worse every year and, unless you do the things. That- Hanging around at the retirement homes as I do these days because I have grandparents oh. in retirement homes, there there is a certain variety of old person who has come to terms with their age and is no longer bothered by it. Yep. And there, there's also ones who, who never do. I think my grandfather in particular was so annoyed uh, that he got old and his body was failing him that he willed himself into a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wonder what it takes to be one of those old people who is just content to be who they are at the age that they are, uh, they, they seem to have something special. We should we should figure out what they've got and we should get some. Oh, I'm trying to bottle it up. And I think I I mean, I always feel like I do have the key because the truth is I don't feel I mean, yeah, it's going and I have aches and pains and things like this. And maybe we'll talk more about it. But OK, you just mentioned something, though. Maybe what I need to do is go and hang out more like at retirement homes or like at casinos and less hanging out with people, with people half my age. Older. Yeah, I hang out with comics. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I hang out with people half my age generally. I mean, honestly, I am often the oldest person in my subculture, right? Or close to it. So that's a possibility is that you need to spend your life comparing yourself to others. No, I'm kidding. I don't generally care. I don't live as if I care because I have done Botox a couple of times and eh, not worth it. Not worth it. Haven't gone back. So it's not like I, I don't think that I spend my life caring. And part of my secret is having a wonderful man who truly loves me no matter what and makes me feel beautiful and adorable and sexy and young and all of it, that helps so much because I, I trust it. And and having met my man during the pandemic where we spent 85% of our time by necessity just hanging around in yoga pants because there was nowhere to go. And so why would I put on makeup or do my hair? And then, and then at a certain time it changed and it really hasn't gone back to anything other than the only time I put on makeup and do my hair and dress like a human being really is when I go do shows. So I think Joe thinks that maybe I never do those things for him, but I also truly trust that he does not care. So that's part of it. And I don't I don't really think I'm going to be that bitter about aging kind of person. I hope not. I hope that I can go into it, at least like you're saying, we're seeing our grandparents, and in my case, my parents age. And it's like, maybe I could try to go into it with wider eyes than, you know, I, I mean, I understand I'm going to slow down. But also, what can I do to stay healthy and keep just the use of my body and mind as long as I can. Um, But anyway, so I don't really think I'm terribly upset about aging. It is, I've never liked looking at my face and, you know, just, wow, to watch the, to watch the ravages of time. I've always known this. I, and that's the thing. Years ago, I went on a, that's the thing. I I made it. You know it's coming. And I made it, mm -hmm, it. And I made a pact with myself that I'm not getting plastic surgery on my face because that's my face. 
And it's how people know me. Anyway, and I, I mean, so I think that I generally walk around not really fearing it, but just noticing that it kind of sucks. On the other hand, lucky me, I would not go back to any of it. I mean, at least I don't have that like, gee, I wish I was in my 20s again. Sure don't. Super happy to be here. Yeah, do you have any of the, gee, I wish I had put on sunscreen more often? Mm-hmm. Is that is that something that uh, that people wish? Oh. I, 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 I've heard that aging is uh, 100% related to uh, UV exposure. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure. You can you can prevent all this crap if you well, just wear sure. your, your sunscreen and your your whatever. We also live in uh, a hostel. Do you, do you believe in that? Yeah, of course. And we live in a hostile environment of dryness here at Altitude in Denver, Colorado. So yes, absolutely. You can you I do have friends and cousins who have protected their skin and the skin on their faces much more than I have. But do I feel that like regret or gee, I wish I had done that? You know, less than you'd think because it's a non starter we i grew up in the tropics for the first years of my life in the sun all the time every single day didn't even know about sunscreen came to the mainland swimmer every single day in the summer i mean just getting tan like my like i looked like the the, my ethnic makeup had changed every summer you know and like whatever and i still do it i mean yeah okay i put on some sunscreen now but i am what they would call a sun worshiper in terms of I sure do like being out in the sunshine and swimming around in water and whatever. Worth it. Worth it. All of the fun times I've had in the water and on beaches and in the sunshine. Oh, totally worth the wrinkles and crap on my face. I will probably super regret it when I start getting things like skin cancer. (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah, of course I will regret the bad habits. We should take that and move it right into a rant. Great. Uh, Because I feel like we're getting awfully close, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, but my rants, rant. yeah, but my rant's totally unrelated. I'm not sure which one I'm going to do. Hmm. Mine's close. All right, go for it. I can start. This uh, this week's rant is about getting sick. It's about being sick and recovering from being sick. Our household got sick at Thanksgiving, and we've been slowly recovering since then. And I suppose the worst was over a couple of weeks ago, but we still have some lingering issues like nagging coughs and excess phlegm. And we all know being sick is no fun. You can't do stuff. You can't see people. You might not even have the energy to do stuff or to see people. But I think the thing that's got my panties in a bunch is that my role in the household and in life has changed. So as a child, when you get sick, your primary responsibility is to be bored or at least pretend to be bored so that your parents don't think you're faking being sick. (laughs) If you smile too big or laugh too loudly, the game's up and you're headed to school. You don't want that. So... But now as a dad who's sick, I have all my same responsibilities with the added bonus of feeling bad. The dishwasher still needs to be unloaded. The diaper still needs to be changed. Uh, The baby still needs a playmate. And none of this stops because dad doesn't feel good. So I'm I'm not, uh, I am not advocating for being sick. It sucks. It sure does. But boy, it's kind of heartbreaking here because sick or not, that's right. Your role has changed. That's, I mean, it's, while you're sick is when you realize everything, right? Also the frailty of the body and how much I appreciate it when I don't need a nap in a day. Cause, oh my gosh, we were so sick also over Thanksgiving. Oh my God. And still I'm finally back on track where I feel like, okay, I guess I don't need naps every day anymore, but Ooh. Um, so that the sickness always brings, sickness exposes the weaknesses in the system, doesn't it? It totally does. And I think I spend time when I, when work gets on top of me and I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm like, oh, wouldn't it, wouldn't it just be nice to be sick for a couple of days, couple of, take a couple of days off 
and then you get sick and it's not that way. It's, no, <laughs> it's so not that way. You wind up still going to work or, you know, still having those responsibilities that you can't shirk at home. Uh, and it, it's never what uh, what you hope it might be. I have known plenty of parents over the years who, when they do get sick or have to have something very unpleasant, like an operation, they actually go, oh, God, but a couple of days alone in the hospital all by myself. That was like a vacation. That's messed up. So the, <laughs> uh, my advice is that what you just said is so real. And so it will only um, accumulate over the years as parents as we spoke about last week, the sort of self-care and all of that, but like for real, you both need to remember that your role is this and that it is relentless and that, yes, for the rest of your lives, you will put that creature number one ahead of you no matter what else you have to do. But as you know, my book is sort of half about it's exhausting. And by the time they get to teenagers, that's my whole I've saw it happen again and again. Parents are so exhausted from putting themselves last, 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 that it that it causes some problems. So I don't know, find ways when you're not sick to, I don't know, give yourself a break from all of that burden. It's the best burden in life, right? It's the hardest job you'll ever yeah, love. Parenting. It is great. And it is very fulfilling. Uh, I, I think I'm just coming around to the idea that uh, there's, there's no longer things that get you out of responsibility right there, yeah. there are some responsibilities now that, that trump everything else seriously life is, or death actual responsibilities yeah no kidding uh-huh uh-huh and the truth is right now in some ways it's um binary right it's life or death keep her safe keep her happy the, the crazy thing is how um fractured and sort of multifaceted it gets when you're worried about their friends or how they're doing in school or their SAT scores or, oh, geez, all of it. You know, it gets so complicated, um, but it never isn't sort of life or death with your child. I had a yeah. good realization well, yesterday, all, all though. fun stuff to look forward to, I suppose. Oh, my God. But here's the here's the happy part of it. I had a realization yesterday. Um, didn't matter. I had, a, I had occasion to be very, Joe is really impressed with and good to my boys. He is he is very good to my boys in a lot of ways, like from a distance. It's not like they need a new dad. It's all of this. But he just and part of it is because he's so impressed with my sons and he really has liked the time he's hung out with them and they're easy to talk to and they're kind and they're this and they're that and they're funny. And so I had occasion to write George last night and say, hey, thanks for making me look good. You make my parenting look good because you turned out to be a pretty cool guy. He always was a cool guy. Both of them were. But it's kind of nice to have, a, you know, kids in their still early 20s, so they're still stupid, but they're getting it and they're coming around and to be able to say, you make me look good as a mom, man. Good job. Thank you for that. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is nice. Because mm -hmm, it wasn't perfect along the way, but it all works out. God bless the child that's got his own. You love it when your teammates own. make you look good. Absolutely. Exactly. Okay, rants. Hmm. Well, I don't really have anything that's on the topic, but that's probably good. It'll be a little, uh, little palate cleanser. I think today I will rant about one of the two things that is bothering me. And I think this one is more relatable because tis the season of packaging. Oh, packaging that bothers me so much. Needing actual sharp and dangerous tools to get through a session of Christmas unwrapping of gifts with any member of any family, any age. But then let's take it even further to the most annoying part of packaging. The little stickers on stuff that don't easily come off 
Why would you do it? Why would you make a sticker on every single new steak knife that we got where we have to peel it off and then we have to get the goo gone? And even that is a little bit difficult. I get goo gone. I'm an expert at removing sticky stuff. But why do you have to do it to me like that? Then the worst part of it that is just like it makes life harder, especially when you're trying to eat healthy. Spoiler alert, that might be part of my rant. On apples, on fruit, on pears, where you don't want to bruise the fruit or like maybe you're going to put and wash an apple and then put it in your husband's lunchbox. So you don't want it to get any extra bruising or splitting of skin. So the oxygen gets in there and rots the fruit and you can't get that little sticker off easily. Hate it. Boo. Stickers. Hate them. That's my rant. <laughs> it's, it's funny because just before we started recording, uh, Delaney asked me, she said, and after you're done recording, could you please go and break down the boxes because mm-hmm. tomorrow's trash day mm-hmm. oh it's so been i've, I've box got i've got packaging down. on the brain me too man and box breaking <laughs> down on my brain okay you know what we ended up doing because we had we've done so much work in this house so we had things like a giant semi truck deliver the murphy door that we put in ourselves so that came with its own amazing packaging lots of cardboard and other stuff then we had uh Oh, you know, we took Ikea by the meatballs and built this whole walk-in closet. So, again, we had pallets. <laughs> we had pallets. We took Ikea by the meatballs. I don't think I made That's up a, that line. That's another contender for this week's I title. I think I stole that. That might even be like Tina Fey or something. Um, <laughs> so, we had all of these. That was delivered on a pallet, right? So, we had boxes and boxes. Then, we put in a Xeriscape garden. And one of the things that you can do that is recommended is to lasagna Xeriscape. So you take out dirt, you put in a layer of cardboard. Well, guess what? We had cardboard. So right now, all of the gardens, including the two dirt boxes we have in our backyard, which are planter beds, but mostly they were just a place to get rid of this dirt that was so expensive to unload. We have layers of cardboard hidden in the garden. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, is that cardboard? How long does it take to go away? What's what's the goal of putting the cardboard in there? Uh, we, I got a lot of questions about yeah, this. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and you can read up on it. I We certainly did. Uh, we spent a lot of time looking at lasagna gardening and all of it. It first it acts as a <laughs> weed barrier for a couple of years. You know, I mean, it's certainly not like putting down plastic, but it also decomposes and becomes part of the soil, which technically can be good for the soil. And so better than plastic. And it gets rid of your cardboard boxes, which when you're breaking up, it feels like trying to hide a body sometimes, trying to decide where I'm going to put all this stuff. I can imagine. Holy cow. Pretty soon, I mean, with the amount of shit that comes from Amazon these days, uh, it doesn't take long to fill up a garden full of cardboard boxes. No, no, like, it doesn't. Uh, that's, that's a temporary solution. Uh, no, correct. No, we're done with that. That's done. So now we're just back to breaking up boxes and putting them in the recycling. And Yeah, okay. And I can't believe I had an entire conversation at Christmas Eve dinner with my sister-in-law where I just, I went, what are we doing? We're having a discussion about how Denver, the solid waste management in Denver has just changed on January 1st. Happy New Year, by the way, Andrew. Um, yeah, I got my bill, by the way. They, I, I never oh, yeah, got okay, right. you own a house in that it had changed, yeah. but I did indeed get the, the bill. I was going to send you it. a picture of how it said that you, as the property owner, are solely responsible. Anyway, all of that, don't care, super don't want to talk about it now, because there I was spending my our time at Holiday, because I, that's what our lives are. I mean, it's actually kind of interesting, but it, I just wanted to, I eventually needed to get out of that conversation and talk about something silly, because garbage isn't that silly, you know? <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, breaking down boxes. I mean, as you know, I used to uh, follow the scheduling advice of Merlin Mann and have box breaking down day when I moved in here by myself. But now we kind of just work on it uh, pretty much constantly. 
<laughs> I've got a product I'd like to recommend, uh, which is the Milwaukee 2719-20 M18 Fuel Hacksaw uh, Bear Tool Red, Black, uh, which is a mini um, powered hacksaw. It's like a Sawzall. Nice. It's the Milwaukee Hacksaw, so it's a, a ripoff of Sawzall. I see. Uh, and this is a gift that was given to me for Christmas a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, home improvement, a lot of DIY. Uh, just joking. I don't do any of that. <laughs> uh, and so this, this overpowered tools, primary job is to break big boxes down into little pieces of cardboard sure. so that they fit in the recycling bin. Fantastic. Uh, and this, this thing, I have a blast every two weeks. I when, should think when so. The recycling comes. Is that battery powered? Just, uh, it is battery powered. It's part of the the Milwaukee Tools brand. So you got to so go grab that. Got Milwaukee okay. batteries. Uh, okay. Then this is a good fit for you. If you don't, I don't know that it's worth investing no. in the whole Milwaukee system. But you know, if, if you're already there's there, got to be a, a similar tool. one in whatever I have, which I can't remember. Yellow. Mine. My tool things are DeWalt. Yellow. Yep, I got DeWalt. And that was, I was just going to say, it's like, I can't send another battery to plug in because we've now got um, batteries plugging and charging all the time in the summer for our lawnmower, which is this amazing <laughs> electric lawnmower that Joe got so I didn't have to worry about cord management anymore. And now I just got, I got for Christmas and I don't have the specs, but I should get it because I think it's going to be good. Been too snowy and wet to know, but I got a mini, very light uh, kind of leaf blower. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I can just go I out. I noticed this mm. year when I was removing snow that it seems like electric snowblowers have replaced gas snowblowers oh, in my neighborhood. Yeah, I spoke. Okay, so. uh, there's, there's probably uh, the the vast majority of snowblowers here are now electric, which is uh, interesting to me. That is interesting. Because I'm, I'm a student of subcultures. Sure, sure, sure. The whole electric. Oh, gosh. You are in the lawnmower subculture living as you do. Right there. I mean, like you are really in the kind of neighborhood where people might discuss their lawnmowers on the reg, unironically. So I have this blower and it has a new, I know this blower has a new plug in. Ooh, I have a mystery though about where I had to plug that thing in. You know, the little Ted Lasso bobbing bird that we gave you one? Yes. I gave Mm -hmm. Joe one. I gave you one because it came in a two pack. Okay. So let me point that out. It was like $10 for two. But uh, after we had a, party here for my mom's 80th birthday we went out into the escape room and where i had placed the bobbing bird he was gone and then i found his head on the floor the tile floor so there was a bird murder oh my goodness and you don't know the culprit do you don't know the culprit it must have just something or somebody even maybe the dog who doesn't normally do that but who knows bumped it and it fell off it was pretty precarious shelving thing it's because nobody at our house that day someone's trying to send you a message okay well that's what we thought about because do you remember that there was once a severed head of a bird in my front yard Back in the day, no, I don't remember. Okay, that, because but. there were hawks in the neighborhood. <laughs> probably the same same person. What I'm saying, I think that I'm trying to get sent a message, and here it was, another bird head, and it's that bird with his little top hat and his kooky eyes. And then I found the rest Maybe of it, and it was just to say something broke. about your nest building. See, right, it all comes full circle, and mm, it's suspicious, isn't it? It's suspicious. Okay, that was rants. Yep, rave time. Wait, what do you want to rave about? Well, this week's rave uh, is brought to you by getting out of the house. Like I said in my rant, we spent the first half of December being sick, Mm. and then we spent the second half of December hosting parties. So we didn't really have any time, or or maybe I should say we didn't make any time to get out of the house and go do fun stuff. 
but now that things have settled down a bit, we've started doing fun stuff again, like visiting friends and exploring new places, and it feels good to be back. I think living and working from home tends to give me a sort of tunnel vision where I'm so focused on doing the work and maintaining the household that I forget about all of the fun and exciting things that go that go on outside of these walls. Uh, so this week's rave is all about going out and doing something. Getting your, uh, getting your hands dirty. Weight. Getting your feet wet. And you'll be much happier if you get outside. Yeah, I think so. That's funny because I do get into the, I get into the uh, zone of like, I just don't want to leave when I can and there's things to do and Joe's flying and I should go do an open mic and I, ah, but I'm really liking being home. So it's a, it's a yeah. balance. I don't really struggle with the balance of staying home too much, obviously, because what I do is go be around people, but good for you. That's really admirable. Maybe you'll find yourself part of a subculture. You never Before know. Before you well, know it, be these careful. These days, the thing that's getting me out is uh, taking pictures. And I, like you said, that's a subculture of its own. Mm-hmm. And be careful Readers at home, he might sneak up on you. That'd be no, creepy. No, no, that's Don't you. do that. That's so creepy. <laughs> People who take pictures, that's not okay. That's not okay. No, good for you getting out. We should go see some zoo or um, botanic garden lights. We should, we should see all the lights. If it warms honestly. up a little bit. I know. It's great. It's so funny. Hasn't the weather been crazy? And the other day, we. I'm we, loving it. Uh, it's kind of great. Fog. It's, when do we get fog? Yeah, fog's new. I know. Last night, we drove through some pretty heavy fog. Uh, we got that crazy snowstorm where we got like eight inches, I think, seven or eight. And then the next night, it was so warm that it was, you know, melting in the backyard. And I said to Joe, hey, babe, if you just listen, we have a water feature. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the gutters. Everything was just melting. But it's great. No, I've liked it. It's been very uh, seasonally appropriate. And when the roads have been crazy and the freezing has been, you know, I mean, as long as you're not out in it. Kids aren't in school. That's my point. You know, the, fewer people on the roads and things like that. So seems like a nice kind of snowy holiday we've had for kids at home and families and stuff. Kind of cute. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go on my rave, which is about something I really like right now. Um, Day two of the new year is eating more healthfully. I, part of the point of looking at my face and wondering why it has been so stunning to me lately that it really looks, quote, that bad to my mind, is because I today had the occasion to step on an actual scale, like for my own personal knowledge, not at the doctor, in the first time in a long time and oh my god that was a painful number and I'm glad I admitted it because already in the past couple of days I just went that's it we gotta eat but I've got I know I've gained weight and it doesn't even feel good and I have aches and pains that I'm pretty sure I can at least mitigate with more exercise and eating and losing some LBs so we started a program and we got food and we've made food and prepared food and it's actually really fun and it's not hard and it already two days in feels pretty darn good and from it's a program I've done before and tracking my food works for me and facing the scale works for me and going oh my god no that's a number oh holy Toledo all right time to do something about it and I can And I know I can. So I feel empowered. I feel like I have the agency and I feel like I am actually motivated to it's not I'm not doing it with some kind of resentment. It's like this. I just don't. Yeah. So that was fascinating. And so far, like I said, it feels good. I uh, know how you like to do your own thing and march to the beat of your own drummer. Is there a part of you that's getting a little bit bristly uh, taking on a healthy eating 
regimen on January 2nd. I know. I know. I get it. I mean, a little, I get it. In fact, yesterday I was like, oh, we got to go to the gym like all the snorks. Um, It doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't because it is more. uh, The reason that that happens so often on January 1st is I believe whether I don't care. Make New Year's goals a resolution. That's awesome. But for. It's because you eat so much over the damn holidays and everybody just kind of does that. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not on a diet now. And oh, I mean, it just gets to that point for me. And I think for everyone, it's yes, I am just so basic right now that I started a diet on, you know, New Year's Day, basically. Yeah, I don't care. Basic or not. No, it doesn't bristle. It don't, I don't I'm not bristling at all. And in fact, in this case, I am kind of a joiner. And in fact, I think I'm often a joiner much more than you are. And I this is a program, like I said, I've done successfully before back in the day where it was in person. And you would go and weigh in in front of another human being. And it's always worked for me. And actually, the kind of community around it works for me. And I have a couple of beloved friends and cousins doing the same program. So if I need the support, I can. I, I'm pretty resolved. It's not going to be that hard. I don't need to talk about it or think about it all the time. Um, but it will be an adjustment. And basically, you know what? It's eating regularly, Lisa. Don't starve yourself when Joe goes just because you forget to eat. And it's eating more fruits, more vegetables, and healthy portions. And that should work really rather quickly. Because when I think about the number of times, like Joe was saying, we don't really eat that much junk food. I'm like, okay, the number of times in the past year, like how many plates of French fries or nachos have I had in a week? Probably at least one per week. I kind of have a French fry addiction. And I've just been eating them with abandon. Like, who cares? Well, there you go. (laughs) I care now. So I'm looking forward yeah, I was gonna, to it. <laughs> fo- follow-up question is, does eating healthily put the perfection of new and different dishes on the back burner? Or, are ne- or will you now be perfecting oh, no, I've, uh, no. new and different healthy dishes? No, no. I've already created a monster who has ordered a cookbook of 1,200 recipes and has, oh my gosh, I mean, in a beautiful, beautiful way, um, has... Because it's really to support me, I just said, I'm doing this program, and he will probably just um, buy, um, uh, because he's adjacent to it, he might just lose weight for, I don't know, we'll decide what he's doing. He can decide. But no, oh God, no, are you kidding? It's looking it up, and it's um, enjoying the math of, oh, I see, so if what you're doing is cutting down, you know, uh, the cheese and the creams and the, yeah, and figuring out the science of it all, and oh no, he loves it, and he's... Yeah, I mean, he's sitting there. He's bought in. Oh, he's sitting there, and we're. I think we're watching TV, and he's thinking about the fruit smoothie he might make tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Adorable, oh, sure. adorable. No, it's, that is it's good. great. It's great. Oh, and the uh, one other time that we did keto together, Joe and I, it actually worked really well. It's just that's kind of a for me that's an untenable way to eat. But um, he did the same thing then. It's like no, it's like a project. It's like a challenge, and the normal, um, the normal challenge and all of which he finds truly enjoyable, preparing meals, finding recipes, the challenge and the fun of it. Um, even made even sweeter when there is when there are parameters, because it's basically a game. And when there are parameters around games, that makes games more fun. Sure, sure. It's, it's one big optimization problem. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to do this and I have these inputs and I need this output. And, and what what kind of components do I have and how do I arrange them to get from here to there? That's right. That's right up my street. Heck, yeah, it was. See, I have another rant about <laughs> things being right up your street, but that's for another day. I mean, another, a rave about doing things that are right up your street. Yeah, it is. And also, I was thinking today about zones of proximal development. Do you remember this? 
Uh, no. Okay, so... Uh, it, it rings a bell. I, I don't know what it is offhand. The zone of proximal development is the what a learner can do, where, where a learner can... Uh, is going from... Is this about scaffolding? Yeah. How you have to introduce uh, this in order to get to there, which... And it's, and it's the, the, the idea of scaffolding, which now is, I think, maybe even a bad word in pedagogy because it should be discovery learning. But the idea of scaffolding is that, right, you take a learner from a thing you cannot do to a thing you can do and along the way you'll need to come up in your skill set right however that happens whether somebody holds the bike behind you while you're learning with training wheels or and then let's go or whether you're learning to ride a little balance bike and then you right so it's it's the um that zone of proximal development but the interesting thing is that like the the ideal that the the zone instruction tends to be most beneficial when the task is just beyond someone's capabilities, right? So Mm -hmm. that's the fun place for learners, and that's generally where we get the best learning. And I think it's kind of where we like things in life. I think we like to be right there where it's a little bit challenging, right? Otherwise, it's boring. Right. Um, Right, but it's not unachievable. Not unachievable. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I've been... Yeah, I I agree. And I've been thinking about that because in terms of, like, hobbies and things that we like to do, like photography... There's a you're totally in that zone of proximal development. You can do some things. You're learning every day what you can do and more and more. And at a certain point, at what point does that the the continual learning and being in that zone, which can be. It's in it's fun and it's energizing, maybe, but can be exhausting. Right. My point. At what Mm -hmm. point does my hobby need to stop doing that? Because comedy feels like I'm it's all of those things. It's all in your street. It's all of the. putting in regulations and rules and, and then gaming it and getting better at something and enjoying it. And then at what point do I go, if this is my hobby, that's a stupid hobby. Cause I'm really in the frustration zone quite a lot by definition. I, that's I part of the subculture. I don't think there's such a thing as a stupid hobby. Right? That's what a hobby is, is it doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't particularly need, it doesn't need to make money. Yeah. Right. It doesn't, a, a hobby is literally just for fun. Yeah. That's my point. Uh, is it fun? Is it fun to sometimes cry because I'm so frustrated? Is it fun to be nervous? It's just funny. Of course, comedy is still fun. Uh, uh, where I think I am right now, uh, and I, uh, again, a, a workplace proximity associate who I do consider something of a friend, but you, I, I just, it's funny to say that because I don't know, would he consider me a friend? I look up to him. He's a comic. And um, he was telling somebody else, you know, the thing with comedy that's so weird is that as you get more successful, it kind of sucks more. And that is also where I am in my zone of proximal development. It's like the road tours and the bullshit places that I'm playing that or that feel bullshit. But then in the end, well, I just did 30 minutes and A, it was like crack cocaine. It felt really great. But B, the people who come up to me afterwards and talk to me, it's parents and teachers and I, I like the, they they feel seen and it matter it's like what okay that's amazing but oh god the yeah. slog of it all feels so funny i had a guy who i worked with and his his primary responsibility was taking small companies and turning them into medium-sized companies mm. and he described what you're talking about he used the uh, carving metaphor And he's like, you know, you're smooth carving and then, you know, you come upon a knot in the wood. Right. And you're you're uh, in a knot. It it gets hard. and It's it's uh, it's kind of uh, hard Mm. carving there and you can't 
whatever. But the only thing to do is get through it because it's smooth carving on the other side again. Or you just uh, go, this it, is a piece of shit, piece of wood that is not worth it. Because if I carve into this hole, it's just going to wreck everything. I mean, possibly. I understand that, that sounded so negative, but I'm just saying. And take up something I, else. I quite love that but do you metaphor. Want I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. You're right. I'm in the knot. That is what I shall think about. That's a great way to. Thanks, Andrew, as always. I think that's a great way to think about it because, yeah, exactly right. And is it worth it to get through? And what does the smooth wood on the other side look like? Once again, with my little comedy crap here, I don't know. I still don't have a goal. I still don't know how to measure when I've been successful. I just got invited to be on a show that two years ago I would have been like, that. this is it. This is the pinnacle. These people have noticed me. I, I can't wait to be on the show. And I'm like, ugh. It'll, it'll be great. It'll be fine. <laughs> but I mean, I know what it is. I don't know. It's of funny. Of course it will be great. Yeah. And it then I and, and then I have, the, it, it will, it'll is. be great. It always is. It's always Andy fun. Joe. But then I just, I keep thinking like, okay, what am I really taking this towards? The other thing is, it's my sweet husband. I mean, he has better things to do on some of his nights than go with me to comedy. And I feel badly about that. He doesn't always come, but he often comes. And even if he doesn't come, I'm like, what am I doing? He's just been working for three days and then... He's home and I'm going off to do a stupid show where I make $80, maybe. Um, really? You know, <clears throat> I would rather be at home with him. Of course, he completely supports it. Bummed out sometimes. I mean, it can it can overwhelm us when I have a week of a lot of shows. It's a little bit like, okay, we got to regroup. But then we do. He's not putting any pressure on me around this. But I'm just like, what am I doing? It's And I just said to him recently, it's not like I'm going to get asked just like randomly a guy in Denver just got asked via Twitter to come and open for Burt Kreischer, a guy that we love and think is so funny. And whenever I could book him in the pandemic, I did. He's amazing and he's nice. And God bless it. It's amazing. And I'm like, that's not going to happen to me. And then I thought about it. It probably won't because I'm old. But actually, that guy is just a couple of steps ahead of me at Comedy Works. He was where I was a couple of years ago. And I go, oh. So actually, instead of me going, well, that's not going to happen to me. That's unreachable. That's untouchable. I go, oh, actually, I should be taking from that. That's touchable. I see the path for this couple of people. And I'm right there. So whatever it may mean. I don't even know that I'd want that. But so anyway, I don't know at what point I'll go, OK, that's it. I won my trophy and I'm I've perfect. I, I just wanted to, I just didn't think I was funny. I just wanted to know if I was funny. I mean, I'm pretty funny. I did it. I don't know. So anyway, that that's that's interesting. And it does all go back to the subculture is that for a while, without a doubt, the whole subculture of comedy was there for me. I mean, that was important in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And still great. I mean, those are still the people who kind of standing around and riffing at comics backstage at Comedy Works is amazing. I mean, it's really great to be around generally smart people who get it, you know, whatever. But but then again, you go, okay, maybe I, Andrew, want to go home and put my feet up and not be amongst the unwashed masses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's something uh, nice about this ivory tower that I live in. There's something kind of nice. I mean, yeah, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to say that, but it's true. There is something nice. And I shall think about um, not... In carving wood, I like that quite a lot. I like it a lot, and it appeals to me. I get it. I get how that Feel works. Feel free to have that. You you may steal that stolen metaphor. Hey, thanks. I'm going to use it, and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate it on it on the beach next week. <laughs> nice. Heading well, off to get some sun damage. Time on the beach. Yeah, we're going to have a restful time. Swim with turtles. Hope to find a monkey and get some more sun damage for my godforsaken face. 
and wrestle with all these big questions, of course. No regrets, man. No regrets. (laughs) It was nice talking to you, Yeah, you too. Have a great week. Happy New Year, everybody.